0: All right. Welcome back, everyone, to part two of our podcast with Colonel Greg Gadsden, a 25-year officer in the United States Army. Greg Gadsden's life is a portrait of courage in the face of adversity. While returning from a memorial service in 2007 for two soldiers from his brigade, he lost both his legs and normal use of his right arm to a roadside bomb in Iraq. And despite this, these catastrophic injuries Greg remained on active duty and continue to inspire people around the world with his message of courage, perseverance, determination, and teamwork. Refusing to be defined by the proverbial hail of bullets, Greg has drawn upon these lessons of pride, poise, and team, learned as a West Point linebacker and applied them to his life, career, and family. After graduation from the U.S. Military Academy, Greg served in every major conflict over the past two decades including Operations Desert Storm and Desert Shield in Kuwait, Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan, and Operation Iraqi Freedom. Greg's military awards are numerous, including the Distinguished Service Medal, two Legion of Merit Medals, three Bronze Stars, one Purple Heart, three Meritorious Service Medals, and the Army Commendation Medal. In part one of our podcast, we talked about Greg becoming who he is. We talked about him growing up, um, his parents being born in the South, him growing up in Washington, D.C., his journey to West Point to become a football player, a linebacker, an incredible player, a team player, all the way up to him becoming a colonel and commanding troops in Iraq. In part two of this podcast, Greg's going to talk about a time of extreme violence and a life-changing event for him the second time he was hit by an IED, an improvised explosive device. You'll hear Greg talk about being ejected a hundred meters, what it was like to be flying through the air in those moments before he went unconscious and saying, God, I don't want to die in this country. Listen to him talk about how his team gathered around him during that time. Listen to how he selected the team that was around him and how it ultimately saved his life. And also put a keen ear on how he believed in his team and how that belief helped him survive. You'll hear this is a really difficult time in his life, Life life-changing event, game-changer, the night that he was blown up He took on 129 units of blood he went into a rest he died six times through that first night he went from 210 pounds down to 148 pounds over the course of his recovery as he was struggling for his life in may of 2007 131 servicemen gave the ultimate sacrifice and died for our country and Greg was almost one of them you're going to listen to this podcast around how he hit rock bottom where he was and how he couldn't quit this is where he learned to stay present which you heard in podcast number one how to focus he relies heavily on his faith it shows up for him In podcast one, you heard how he fell in love with something bigger than himself, loving the team. In podcast two, you're going to hear how he had to trust in something bigger than himself. And it came down to faith, family, and love, and his friends surrounded him. Ultimately, it was understanding his true identity as a soldier that brought him through. I hope you enjoy podcast number two with Colonel Greg Gatson. (laughs) Hey everyone, welcome to The Next Level, a podcast from the Team Performance Institute. Here we provide actionable insights on modern leadership and team development, driving higher levels of organizational performance and life empowerment. I'm your host, John Sanchez. Join me and my team as we take you on the journey to the next level. So, I want to shift um, shift gears for a second, because here's a great career all the way up to, you know, you're overseas now, you're commanding, you, you know, all the things that you learn from being, you know, from growing up, from your parents into high school, to wanting to be a professional football player, to going to West Point, lessons on the battlefield, all the way in. And, and it, brought, it brings us to a you know a really difficult day, May 7, 2007. Um when when you were in when you got really hit by a roadside bomb can you take us through the sequence of events of that day as you as you remember them sure um
1: yeah so as you as you said uh, that, that was a tough day i mean um you know all the in the in those early months of 2007 quite honestly you know there were there were often there were many difficult days i mean it was you know, you would almost, you would almost kind of. It was normal, um, and unfortunate that almost every day um, there was at least one U.S. service member that was, you know, that was paying in full measure, and so that was the environment. It was just uh, an environment of, of extreme uh, extreme violence, and um, you know that, and so that that's really the framework of of uh, of the environment that we're in, and. And, and sadly, I was uh, I, I was attending a memorial service for for two men in a, in a sister battalion from Fort Riley, Kansas. They were in the STB, the, the Special Troops Battalion. Uh, First Lieutenant Ryan Jones and uh, Specialist uh, Sunson um, were killed. Uh, you know, were killed by an ID uh, three or four days prior to the seventh. And uh, you know, we were uh, we were. We had a memorial service on uh, on Fort Operating Base uh, Falcon, uh, you know, to honor these young men sacrificed. So as I was, uh, you know, I had departed the memorial service and I was heading back to my uh, headquarters in a in a four vehicle patrol vehicle, three out of four, you know, when my vehicle was was, was hit by uh, a roadside bomb or improvised explosive device. Um, it was a it's a significant um IED the blast uh lifted my vehicle up off the road and, and ejected me out of the vehicle. Um where I can, you know, remember kind of flying through the air and, and coming hitting the ground and coming to a rolling stop on my back. Um I was uh I was admitted I was extremely pissed off. Um first of all it wasn't the this wasn't the first time my vehicle had been hit by uh, an IED the first time it didn't it didn't da- it didn't hurt anyone um, but I did have to get get towed back um, because my it it uh, blew out a tire and i think it put a hole in my oil pan so it did some damage to my vehicle so I knew it was an ID um and I, I was just I was just livid because I'm you know in my mind I'm thinking I'm I'm trying to make life better here I'm trying to I'm trying to contribute to, to make a difference. And in, in these people are trying to kill me. And then um, but it didn't take me long to, to, to realize that um, that I was wounded and that it was very serious because I couldn't move as you know, I was laying on my back. And and I, I just remember the last thing I, I kind of thought to myself was, God, I don't want to die in this country. And then I was I was out. I was unconscious. Um, my teammates um, um, uh, first Sergeant Frederick Johnson who was in the vehicle behind mine he was my acting uh, command sergeant major he would be the first to arrive at my vehicle when it finally stopped and he was the one that actually recognized uh, that I was that I was missing um, lo- he located me probably a hundred meters or so from where my vehicle finally came to a stop I was already unconscious lying in a pool of my blood and And uh, he began to resuscitate me in a a young um, uh, one of my young soldiers, young privates uh, named Eric Brown, uh, would put the tourniquet on my leg, uh, on my legs. Um, And and he did an amazing job of that. The doctors uh, credit him for saving my life. Uh, 19, 20 year old private who ironically wasn't a school trained medic. I like to share this part because um, this young man was was uh, was actually an NBC specialist, nuclear, biological and chemical specialist in my unit Um, as uh, as fate would have it. uh, The medic that was assigned to my personal security detachment uh, slipped on some ice and, and broke his ankle and he couldn't deploy with us immediately. And so we asked the army for a replacement medic, which they didn't have to give us. So my headquarters, first sergeant, you know, you, you know, look, these are all lessons powered down. And, and and so these these men are are, you know, thinking of, um, you know, alternate solutions. They they would uh, they would send private Brown to a two week emergency medical course at Kansas State University. And uh, and so and he would literally finish this course just days before we started started to deploy to Iraq. Well, they came with me, the suggestion of putting private Brown in one of my subordinate platoons and bringing up uh, a medic for my PSD. And, and uh, I opined. and said, no. um, um, If, if, you know, I didn't want to disrupt any of the teamwork and preparation had already been done, you know, just for, uh, you know, this swap. But I think really more personally, if this, what was I saying? If this young man wasn't, you know, uh, if this young man was good enough for my soldiers, then he was good enough for me. So I kept him, uh, just to minimize the uh, the, the the change and the teamwork that had been uh, created. And and honestly, um, again, I didn't want I didn't want to send a message that you know my life was was more important than yours. So I would keep this uh, young man because I believed in him as well. And so. Again, the doctors, long story, but the doctors credited him for saving my life. And just to give you a perspective, again, John, of the environment and my injury. So I went through uh, uh, I went through 129 units of blood that night, probably in some six to eight hour period. I would go through that much blood. I would go into arrest uh, or die six times. Um, so I was I was I was severely injured. I was in bad shape, and and um, I think more significantly, for sure, is that again the environment. You know, um, in the month of May of May two thousand seven, one hundred and thirty-one U.S. service members paid with their lives. So it was it was an extremely uh, violent and volatile uh, time period. So. I would, uh, um, I would get evac through Balad and through Germany and, and arrive at Walter Reed um, on the 11th of May, um, intubated on a feeding tube um, in an induced coma, but still with my legs, um, obviously very badly damaged, requiring surgery every other day to clean up my uh, wounds and repair my blood vessels. Um, a week after getting back to Walter Reed here in D.C., um, the blood vessels in my left leg uh, could no longer sustain blood flow, and um, I started to bleed to death in the um, in the ICU. So they had to take me into surgery um, and amputate my left leg above the knee to save my life. In fact, the, the it was it was such an emergency that the emergency room nurse had to literally put pull off her belt and put a fuel expedient tourniquet on my leg uh, just to um, just to get me into surgery. And so the next day, the same thing happened to my right leg, but the doctors were one step ahead and they would actually. Um, pull a vein from my left bicep and put in my right leg, and so they were able to uh, uh, save my right leg. Um um I was out of my uh, induced coma um, at, at this time and, and able to kind of communicate with the doctors and and ultimately I think maybe some of this is you know I, I think I think part of being an athlete part of being in the moment was that I ultimately made the decision for them to to amputate my right leg and um, on the 24th of May uh, the you know, the doctors amputated uh, my right leg above the knee. I just wanted to to move on and, and, and get on with my life. Um, my right leg was never going to work as it was intended. So why keep it? So, so I told them to amputate it. Well, when I came out of surgery uh, from my right leg being amputated, I got some more great news. And I say that with a little tongue in cheek, but they uh, had decided to re X ray my my right arm uh, before I went into surgery. The results of those X rays was that my upper uh, arm above my uh, elbow was broken, and as, lo- as well as the radial head of my elbow was broken, and it would require uh, they they'd have to replace the radial head of my elbow and put a plate and screws in my uh, upper um, bicep to, to to fix my arm. So. Um, about a week later, I would have that surgery. and Unfortunately, some complications from that surgery, I would ultimately uh, sustain ulnar nerve damage, which still impacts my ability to use all of my fingers on my right hand. Uh, radial nerve damage at the time uh, prevented me from picking up my right wrist. And my body, because of the blast injuries, was, was producing excess calcium, and that excess calcium uh, ultimately caused my right arm to, to lock up at the elbow so so I was uh, I was down to one limb John. Um, uh, my non-dominant left arm and hand was all I could use. I was uh, before I got wounded I was 160 pounds. Uh, I, no I was 210 pounds and now is 148. so I really didn't have um, too much to smile about. Uh, didn't have any outlook on life. And um, um, I like to say this was this was this kind of moment in my life where I just kind of threw up my hands and kind of was kind of thrown in the towel like I, I can't take anymore. And I felt like I wanted to quit. I felt like I did quit and I was trying to quit. Um, and that's where you know you you talk about being an athlete, you talk about you talk about the character of who you are. Um, all those little things that you did throughout your life of, of just kind of hanging in there, you know, your grit, your hard work, your, um, you know, I guess I got to find out, um, you know, what that investment was and the, 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 the the long and short of it was I couldn't quit because that wasn't me. I just kind of remember saying, my God, I just, I can't even quit, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, you know. So I said, "You know, all right. Well, if I can't quit, then I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna punch. I'm just gonna keep going." And 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 that's where I really realized my ability to, to stay present and focus on the present. Look, I didn't have a future. What was what what future did I have? I, there wasn't one I could imagine, and my legs were gone, so there was no holding on to the past. All of it just demanded every single part of my energy to be in the present. And that's,
0: um, and that was the huge gift that I got. Just amazing to think about. And, and a lot of people don't realize what a abrupt change is brought upon such an injury that you are top of your game, you know, Colonel, command, running troops, motivating, doing the best you can, given all the life lessons that you've had, everything that built who you are, your character, your parents pouring into you, you know, all the way through. And just to be riding in a car and then to have this incident and then to wake up in a hospital and then to have an incredible shift of perspective, right? Right. And, And I love what you said and all that investment that you that you did prior to this happening is what paid off ultimately in the end. And I think a lot of folks don't realize that working on themselves is an investment, and you had done a lot of that, whether it was subconscious or conscious, where you did that. Right, way. right. Um, what kept you going? Other than, I mean, obviously you're not going to quit. It wasn't in your character. It wasn't in your blood. There's a. There's. A, what were some of the things that kept you going? Talk to us a little bit about what inspired you to keep moving forward. Well, um,
1: so let, let me start first with my faith. Um, you know, I, I, I am a Christian and I, am and my Lord and savior is Jesus Christ. And, and I, you know, I honestly didn't know how strong my faith was. I mean, I, I, I know I, I, I identify as a Christian and, you know, we would actually, every day before we left, wherever we were departed, we would get in a we put our we get in a circle and, and we would ran, someone would do a random prayer. I mean, and that was that was our habit and and um, and I've always believed. Uh, uh, I've always had belief that that you know God uh, said that we, that uh, through His Word, through our faith, that we would never get more than we could handle. And I, I just kind of took that on faith. I had to trust. I had to trust in something. I had to grab on to that fact that I can get through this because he promised me this. He promised me that I could get through this. Now, I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know what it's gonna be, but I, I'm trusting in this. And one of the things that I, I can truly recall my, 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 my family, my wife, when I'm in the hospital at Walter Reed, she's you know sharing the Book of Job with me, and and if you know the the story of, of of the Book of Job and and the devil putting him through all these challenges, and and Job never lost his faith, and and so that became just sort of my simple example that I, I you know I'm just going to keep my faith, I'm just going to keep my faith, I'm going to trust that I'm going to come out the other side, and I don't need to see it you know that's that's walking by faith and not by sight and uh and so my, um so that's my that's the role of my faith um uh the unconditional love of of my family my my wife and my kids um uh really um, um not wavering in their love i mean despite these horrible injuries i never felt like I never felt like uh, their love changed for me because of my injuries. And, and that was incredibly empowering. And then, um, you know, my friends, my support network, my West Point friends, my army friends. I mean, I had, John, I had friends that I hadn't seen or heard from from high school that uh, heard about my injuries and were just there, just, just a massive blanket of support that uh, that I, I, I say, uh, uh rhetorically or metaphorically that that uh it just it just kind of softened the blow it allowed me to kind of to kind of process this in a much over a much uh, uh greater time frame and and then you know as i kind of think about this um look I, I i was still a soldier i mean you know i i i, I say this with a little tongue-in cheek but you know the army wasn't really my value and, and wasn't about my runtime. It wasn't my, you know, that wasn't what defined me. What defined me was was here. What my communication, my mind, my heart, and um, and I still felt like I had the heart of a soldier, and 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 I wanted to soldier on. I wasn't done. I felt like I wasn't done, and and I, I was going to make the army, uh, you know, get rid of me. Uh, because I wasn't going to volunteer to leave.
0: <laughs> Luckily, they you continue to go on active duty and you continue to inspire and do great things in your career. One of my SEAL team buddies gave me a um, a little one of those nice little plaques you hang in your kitchen when we moved um, to our new home, and it says faith, family, and friends. And you just articulated all three of those things, like in that order: faith, family, and friends. We
1: you know, we hang those up.
0: But you know, this is an example, a true example of somebody in extreme adversity to fall back on that. Yep. For those watching this podcast, if you're watching this through the video, uh, Colonel gatson has got a really incredible wall behind him. And it's got, and I just want to go into this wall a little bit with you, sir. Um, because, you know, it wasn't your faith that you felt that you fell into in May of 2007. That was also a journey. And and the journey is very well articulated with this wall because it's a wall filled with and I can't even count how many, probably over a hundred crosses that you have. Can you tell us a little bit about that wall and how you assembled it?
1: Yeah. So, um, well, I, if, if you if you let me digress a little bit into a story, so. Um, so when when I was deployed to uh, Desert Shield Desert Storm, I got a care package from my mother, and and uh, and she gave and they had two they had a couple of crosses that um, they were really tiny, and I immediately put them on my dog tags, and and I and I returned, and and I always kept my deployment dog tags kind of separate. So anytime I went on deployment, I I grabbed those, and and um, so. Uh, I, I, I would have them on all of my deployments, inclu- in, including Iraq. rack. Um, but, you know, those sappy plates that we wear, that body armor that we wear, that stuff is heavy and it presses against your your, your, your and, it, and it, it ended up breaking my chain, John, that had my cross on it and I lost my cross. And I tell you, man, I was I was mortified. Mm. I mean, like I, I, I felt like like I like like I was naked. That I lost the cross that my mom I I'd had it you know almost twenty years, and unbeknownst to me, I get another care package from my mother because I'm not talking to her. She didn't, um, and in the in in the um, in the care package, she sent me uh, a coin that had my name on it, and it had a guardian angel. I had a look, and it was my and she and it was my guardian angel coin. So I put this in, in my in, in something like this, like a neck wallet, because because you didn't put your wallet in your back pocket with all that crap we had on. So I carried my wallet in my around my neck, and and uh and I pulled and and I put the coin she gave me. I'm gonna pull it out, and uh, and show it to you, and um, and so I had this coin. I can get it out. Um. I had this coin around my neck when I was wounded. Wow. But the other thing she sent me was this this woman's hair piece that was an angel, like, again, it was an angel. So she sent me angels. And and I'm like, what am I gonna do with this thing? I'm like, and I'm like, and I was gonna leave it in my room. I was thought about throwing it away. I'm just like, ah. And so I, I didn't feel good about those options. And so I finally came with the idea and I had my driver welded in our vehicle. So it was welded in our vehicle. It was between us. So I had angels looking out for me. Um, uh, the night hours I had that coin that my mother gave me around my neck and we had that, that angel welded in, in, in my vehicle. And so anyway, so that takes me to the crosses. And, and so I'm, uh, I'm on a I'm on a business trip down in San Antonio and and I'm um, I'm in a, a, a Mexican restaurant and I'm I'm eating in a Mexican restaurant. And I'm like and I see these crosses on the wall. And and that's when it hit me. I'm like, you know, I travel a lot. I'm like, I'm going to do that. I'm gonna, I am going to I want to do one of the walls in my office like that. And so I started. I've started I just started collecting crosses every every city every town I make it a, a goal of mine of trying to collect a cross and and then friends started hearing about it or seeing about it so so they so it's really kind of I because they've been sharing crosses with me so um, so I can't so all those are not ones I've collected but um, and so from the Vatican to to really across the world almost there's a i can't say every country for sure but there's just a lot of crosses from all over
0: beautiful it's a beautiful ball, an even more beautiful spiritual journey and to have you know that love and support from your mother but to keep that forefront just to think about that so this is just so so powerful thank you for sharing that story of course with everyone and and um and just being that that level of inspiration I hope you enjoyed part two of three of our special guest podcast with Colonel Greg Gatson, where he talked about the emotional and tragic events of being blown up in Iraq. Thank you for being a part of The Next Level. Tune in next week as you listen to Colonel Gatson talk about how he turned this adversity into opportunity. Now you can do the same in your life, simply through mindset. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on The Next Level. We hope that you found a couple of tips or insights today that you can take into your daily life. To learn more about our leadership training programs, our executive coaching programs, and the Team Performance Institute, please visit us at teamperformanceinstitute.com or email us at info at Hope you have an awesome day.